and welcome to the Actually Making a Difference podcast, the show about starting, growing, and marketing your purpose-led business. No magic wands, no false promises, just simple, straightforward, and honest advice based on decades of experience. I'm your host, Sarah Price, and you are ready to actually make a difference. Hello there, and welcome to the Actually Making a Difference podcast your one-stop shop for tips, insights, and support to help you to start, grow, and promote your impact business. This episode is part of a series looking at stories in business. So far, we've explored why stories are so powerful in business. We've looked at the six different types of stories that you need in business, who I am, why I'm here, vision, teaching, values in action, and I know what you're thinking stories. And we've considered where you might find your stories. But to earn the right to share your story, you need to start well. And that's what we're focusing on this week. You need to get the attention of your audience. Now, there's a lot of speakers who have the natural authority to just demand attention. But for everybody else, whether speaking or writing, you need to attract that attention or earn it. You need your listeners or readers to self-select in to what you have to say rather than scrolling past, hitting delete or daydreaming during your speech. You need to reassure them that they're in the right place, that what you have to say is relevant or interesting to them and you have a very limited amount of time to do it. So how can you start your story in a way that earns you the attention of your audience? Well, here are some ideas. The first is to start with the lead. And this is an approach that comes from newspaper journalism originally. It's also used on television. And it's particularly useful for written stories, for social media posts, for emails, for example, where you have potentially three to seven seconds to capture someone's attention before they scroll by. Now, I spent probably the majority of the 30-year career that I had before I started actually in PR. And I can tell you that journalists are forever being told, do not bury the lead. It's the way that we're also taught to write press releases and press stories for journalists. The lead is the most important part of the story. It's the first sentence, possibly two, and it contains the most essential elements. It can convey a fair amount of information. So for example, this is a lead used in Made to Stick by Chip and Dan Heath as an example of a great lead for a story. A right-wing Jewish extremist shot and killed Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin tonight as he departed a peace rally attended by more than 100,000 people in Tel Aviv, throwing Israel's government and the Middle East peace process into turmoil. To start with the lead, you need to know what is going to be the most interesting, most relevant and most important part of your story for your readers for those reading the international section of a newspaper, this lead is going to be interesting and relevant, and it gives them enough salient information for them to know that this is an important story. 
Also in Made to Stick, the authors share a story that demonstrates how a lead can ensure that your audience self-selects in to the rest of your story. The story they share is about Nora Ephron, the very famous screenwriter who wrote When Harry Met Sally, for example, and her high school journalism teacher. So on the first day of journalism class, the students all had, you know, a vague idea of what it is that a journalist actually does. They get the facts of a story and then they report on them. They sit, all of the students sat down in front of their typewriters and the teacher announced their first assignment. They were going to write the lead for a story for the school newspaper. So their professor shared the facts. The principal of Beverly Hills High School announced today that the entire high school faculty will be travelling to Sacramento next Thursday for a conference covering, I don't know, new teaching methods. And the speakers would include leading anthropologists, the college president, the Californian governor, etc. So the students start work and typed out the first lead of their entire journalistic careers. And according to Nora Ephron, most of them created a lead not dissimilar to the one that I just shared about the assassination of Prime Minister Rabin in Israel. They took all the key facts, they reordered them and jigged them about a bit, and then they condensed them down into one sentence. So, for example, Governor Edmund Brown, Margaret Mead and Robert Maynard Hutchins will address the Beverly Hills High School faculty, etc., 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 The teacher collected their work. He reviewed all of their leads, paused, looked around the classroom and said, the lead to this story is there will be no school next Thursday. That's why this story mattered. That's why it would be relevant to the readers of a student newspaper who probably didn't know who Margaret Mead was and couldn't have cared less. But they, and indeed their parents, who also read the school newspaper, would care that the school would be closed. That was the core of the story. And if you've boiled your idea down to its core, then you already have your lead for your story, or at least a version of it. It's the piece that readers will find most important, most interesting, most relevant to them. Second option is to start your story with something unexpected. The easiest way, really, to demand somebody's attention is to confound their expectations. Because our brains are designed to be constantly hyper-aware of change. So if you can create a change, if you can create an element of surprise at the outset of your story, then you can capture attention because your readers were expecting one thing to happen and something else happened. So now, as readers, we want to know why. Now, when you attend a conference, I'm going to give you an example from real life, and a speaker steps out onto the stage you have a pretty good idea of what's coming, right? You have an expectation. It might be, hi, my name is Sarah and I'm the founder of Actually. Boring. Or, hi there, and I'd like to thank Claire for that lovely introduction. As she has said, I'm Sarah, I'm the founder of Actually. So just in case you weren't listening, 
when Claire told you and you can't read the gigantic slide behind me that tells you who I am and where I'm from, allow me to bore you senseless by repeating it. So far, we've met their expectations and everybody in the audience is both bored and daydreaming. But what if you walked out on the stage and said nothing? Even if only for five seconds? What if you walked out on stage and instead of talking about yourself, you asked a question? What if you walked out on stage and played a didgeridoo for a minute or two? All unexpected, all a surprise, all much more likely to grab people's attention than your standard opener. Now, the didgeridoo works if the lesson you want to impart is surprise will make your story memorable or surprise will make you stand out as a speaker. But don't use surprise merely for the sake of surprising your reader. An unexpected opener must be in the service of your story, in the service of your core lesson or idea. So, Let's say that I was going to tell a story to my team and the core idea, the lesson that I want to impart to them is that radical generosity is the heart of how we do business at Actually. How might I start that story in an unexpected way? How about, in our first year in business, I gave away more in money, bonuses, prizes and freebies than I earned in salary. Or what if I want to get across the lesson, you don't have to sacrifice your financial well-being on the altar of your purpose. I might open with, I love money. We're not used to impact entrepreneurs being so upfront. We're not used to people in our world being so clear, not dressing things up with words like wealth or abundance. So telling people that I gave away more money and bonuses than I earned in salary or opening up with, I love money, both of those might be quite unexpected. Or I might ask a question. How many people in this room think that they are making exactly the amount of money they deserve to be making considering the difference that they're creating in the world? And once I've asked that question, I might ask anybody who puts their hand up to leave the room. This story isn't for you. Or alternatively, if nobody puts their hand up, I could say, nope, you're wrong. Everyone in this room is making exactly how much they think they deserve to make. My job is to persuade you that you deserve to make more. Three different unexpected ways to open a story. Silence, a question, or something totally against the grain of what you might expect of an entrepreneur like me. There is a third way to start a story. Start with a moment. So think about a personal story that you want to share. Maybe it's a story that you want to use as a teaching story, or perhaps it's one of your who I am stories, because yes, you can have more than one of those, by the way. Think about your story for a minute and identify a single moment 
within it. It could be the very start of your story, the opening scene, or it could be the moment when you realised the lesson that you want to share right now. Bring your audience into that moment. Have them live it with you. Now, one of the best ways to do this is with sensory language. So tell them what you could see, smell, hear, feel in that moment. This approach not only helps them to build a really complete picture, but it also means you'll be reaching almost everyone in your audience in their preferred language. You know, if they're visual, they will get caught up by what you saw. If they're auditory, they will respond to what you heard. Let me give you some examples. I woke up with a start. The noise was deafening. Thunder rolled overhead and my dark room was lit up every few seconds by huge bolts of lightning. I was completely convinced that it was the end of the world or at the very least, the end of my home. Surely this storm would lift the whole house and throw it down again the way I'd seen the storm do on The Wizard of Oz. I pulled the soft, fluffy red blanket over my head It was stuffy under the covers and the faint smell of fabric softener and calamine lotion tickled my nose, but I didn't care. I squeezed my eyes tight shut. I tried to block out the noise with my fingers in my ears, but the next clap of thunder was too much for me. Daddy, I screamed. I'm scared. Were you with me? Were you in that moment with me? Did you want to know what happened next? How about this opener? I listened to the vague hiss on the line as my bank manager paused in his diatribe about my financial situation. I could feel my cheeks flushing with embarrassment. I could smell my coffee, a rebuke against my profligate ways. Out on the street, I could see my neighbour's kids playing football and I yearned for those carefree days of childhood. We'd been on the phone for five minutes, five minutes of listening to what I already knew, that my overdraft was out of control, my debt was getting worse, not better, and that three years on from university, I was still no closer to being solvent. And then, all of a sudden, I wasn't scared or embarrassed anymore. I was furious. I was raging with indignation. I was doing important work. I was trying to make a difference in the world. I was trying to be of service. Why should that mean that I had to accept earning peanuts and being treated like a naughty child by my bank manager? Who had decreed that making a difference meant that you couldn't also make a decent living? Again, Were you with me? Okay. I hope this has given you some ideas about how you might start your story. And if so, and you'd like to share your opening paragraphs with me, head over to the Actually Making a Difference Facebook group. You'd be really welcome. And I would love to hear your stories. 
Thank you for listening to the Actually Making a Difference podcast with me, Sarah Price. Come and join a community of purpose in our free and friendly Actually Making a Difference Facebook group. Because now that you're part of my world, you need never feel alone on this entrepreneurial journey. And you will always be welcome.